Hello, this is Yaro Starak, and welcome to a solo Entrepreneur's Journey podcast episode featuring me. This is the second episode I've done as a solo episode, kind of like the, the reboot process for the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's subject is, well, two things. I want to talk to you about something I really haven't spent a lot of time talking about on my blog or in my podcast or really anywhere, which is all the failed projects I've had in the past. So you probably know me for my blog, my successful entrepreneur's journey blog, maybe my my course blog mastermind or any of the ebooks or my membership site, the Laptop Lifestyle Academy. Or even if you're not a customer of mine, you, you possibly know me from uh, me just talking about my editing and proofreading company on my blog. I've written about that. Also written a lot about my Magic the Gathering collectible card game site and community site. Uh, my successful projects, basically. It makes sense that we spend a lot of time talking about what works as a, a teacher online. So I tend to focus my energy there. But I feel today it's important for me to share with you everything that didn't work. So I'm going to go through some of my projects from the early days, why I started them, what happened, how I, how I built the businesses and what went wrong. And ultimately what I learned from the experience and how that impacted what I do today. And second, I'm going to talk about mindset because a lot of failure relates to mindset and before I recorded this episode, I actually did a little survey to both my Laptop Lifestyle Facebook group, which you can join at laptoplifestyle.me. Also my academy, the Laptop Lifestyle Academy, which is my paid membership site, which uh, I have some people in there who I talk to every day in the forums and on a Slack chat just for members. So I asked those two groups, what topics you'd like me to talk about on this podcast? I got a bunch of replies, but one of the repeating themes were questions relating to mindset. Things like, how do you stay focused? How do you stay motivated when things are not going great? You know, I'm not getting any traffic. I'm having trouble choosing a topic. No one buys my stuff. I keep feeling overwhelmed because I have to do too many things. So all of these kind of issues are things we all face. And I certainly did. And I, I think a lot of my early failures really were impacted by those kind of negative situations or at least getting lost in the emotions and the, the thoughts that come along with things where you feel like you're, you're just failing or things are going incredibly slowly and you're not getting anywhere. So by explaining to you some of my failures and also how that impacted my mindset towards my successes, you can see the, the connection and, and see hopefully some lessons that you can apply to help you get through whatever situation you're dealing with with your own online business. So we're taking a trip back in time. So we're going to go all the way back to the late 1990s because that's when I got my start on the internet. Now, normally when I tell my story, I start talking about how uh, my first website was built on the GeoCities platform back in 1998. I built a card game website uh, about Magic the Gathering and that then turned into a full-blown uh, e-commerce site. I had a forum and I have had some people writing articles all about this card game, which I actually played myself competitively back then as well. 
But what I don't talk about so much is the websites that I did at the same time as running my card game website and also the ones that sort of followed up after it. So there's a, there's a period of time pretty much between 1998 and around about 2002, 2003, where I was playing around with a lot of ideas. Now it's important for you to understand why I felt the need to start new projects when I had a successful card game website. The answer is pretty simple. I was losing interest in that game and it's a very small market. So I was focused on the Australian Magic the Gathering population and I was making a bit of money from advertising and from selling cards. Uh, very small money, maybe 500 to the best month I had about $1,000 come in. And I really didn't see that business getting much bigger, nor did I want to put in the effort to grow it. I, I didn't want to become a global site and compete with all the global Magic the Gathering sites. Plus, simply put, my interest in the game itself was starting to wane. So I was looking to start new things. And this is when a lot of my experimentation with new websites happened uh, leading up to the creation of my editing company, betteredit.com. It was in the mix here as well. But what happened, and this is a really good lesson, I learned a skill. So I taught myself how to do HTML. Uh, which basically was the building block for websites. And back then, that's all you really needed. You didn't have to have programming skills or CSS skills. Websites were really sort of flat, basic tools. There wasn't even comments like we have on blogs today. No social media. It was a basic time. And in some ways, that was good because it meant I could do a lot myself. But also, it was kind of bad because it meant I could do a lot myself. So I spent a lot of years wasting time building websites that I really probably shouldn't have started in the first place uh, and B wouldn't have even started in the first place but today because I wouldn't have had the skill set to build what I wanted. But back then, all I really needed to do was create some kind of online magazine type site. So let me go through a couple of projects I had to explain my thinking at the time. So here I am, I'm in university and I'm also just about to graduate. So I'm you know, hitting my early 20s. I wanna get more money coming from an online business. I have an existing business that's kind of puttering along, but I'm not really interested in growing it. So what I start to do is just think about all the, the things I, I'm interested in. You know, as a, as a young adult, I was just finding different subjects interesting. And like a lot of people, my first focus was I will use my passion as a place to start my next online business. So I registered a domain name called mp3now.com and it was meant to be uh, an MP3 sharing site. So I'll be completely upfront with you. At the time, MP3s were starting to take off. Uh, this is when, you know, basically that whole Napster period started to, actually it was just before the Napster period kicked off where people started trading MP3 music. So back then you still had to find your MP3s just searching your basic search engine. So going to Alta Vista or Hotbot or Lycos or um, even I think Yahoo may have just started them too. So you have to go in there and type in the name of the song, MP3, and, and trudge through all these broken links to try and find the right uh, working link. Bearing in mind, this was still very much kind of a, a very iffy legal situation. You know, the laws were just starting to come into place around music and sharing on the internet. But I loved MP3s, I loved music, uh, and I was really interested in getting involved with that. So I registered mp3now.com and built a website, essentially was going to be uh, a link farm for linking through to MP3s. Now I knew to avoid getting in trouble, I didn't host the MP3s myself because that would have been the, the risky part. People were getting sued if they hosted the MP3s. 
And if all I did was link to them and cover news and maybe even potentially start breaking in some independent artists like mp3.com was doing, I could potentially have a business. So I went and spent a lot of nights just using my HTML skills that I'd learned from a, a te textbook. I, I bought Teach Yourself HTML in 24 hours and used that to build my, my magic website. And then I used it to build this MP3 website. And uh, to cut a long story short, it didn't really go anywhere. So I finished the design, opened up and launched the site, but very quickly realized, what am I doing? I'm getting into an area that's really got a lot of legal troubles potentially. How am I going to make money from this? I, was, I didn't really have a plan besides maybe if I get enough traffic, I could put some ads up. But let's face it, people would just come there to, to look for an MP3 and then, then run off. So it just it was a bad business model getting into a potentially legal issue. And uh, I only cared about it because I just love music and wanted to be you know, somehow involved in that community. And there were definitely better ways to do that. So I didn't really have a business model. So the lesson from that I, I feel that I really want to share with you is the legal aspect, because I've had a lot of friends over the years who have had skills technically, but they've taken those skills and applied it to areas where they could potentially get into legal trouble. Uh, and I, I never understand, you know, why make your life harder by starting businesses where you could essentially succeed and because you succeed, you get shut down because legally you get in trouble. And it's pretty obvious from day one when that's the case. I knew it with my mp3now.com website. So I, I basically shut that site down pretty much the minute I finished the website and, and put it live. I kind of said this is nuts and, and switched it off. Um, that led me to kind of almost swinging in completely the opposite direction. So my next project, I registered a domain name called youngactivist.com. So, you know, I'm, I was in my early 20s and I was feeling a lot of passion about a lot of subjects like, you know, the environment and uh, health and all kinds of areas uh, to make the world a better place, basically. And I knew that a lot of other people my age were also interested in uh, that subject, you know, being active to make the world a better place. And it, it was an area that really wasn't catered to on the Internet very much yet. I know years later, certain sites like Treehugger uh, blog popped up that got quite a lot of traction around environmental issues and uh, basically blogging around that topic. So I thought. Back then, this is before blogging, I'll start this young activist site, I'll grow it kind of like my magic site, I'll get some writers and we'll build up this community around it. So once again, I just spent a whole bunch of time off in my night sitting there coding up the HTML, designing my own logo using really, really basic graphic skills. I used uh, PaintShop Pro to try and design things. And, you know, I was a mediocre designer at best, but I, I went through the process and I finished that website and I did actually publish it. And I started to write a few articles for it and started to try and get a few other people involved, of which I got no one involved. So that one kind of at least got started, but it fizzled out. And what happened with that was I lost interest pretty quickly and I, I noticed what was wrong here. I was having trouble getting anyone committing to it. I was having trouble getting any traffic to it. Uh, there was difficult, a lot of difficulty getting momentum. And I realized even if I got all those things, I didn't have a business model that I thought could work. I actually didn't understand or see how I could make money from this business because while my card game website, it made sense that people would come back every day to trade cards. Plus, there's a commerce aspect. They buy and they sell cards. So there's a, a, a monetary exchange going on that I can build a business around. 
With youngactivist.com, I didn't really have a direction, a strategy in place where money could be made. Even with advertising, I would have needed a lot of traffic uh, that even would have been the best kind of traffic to monetize. You're talking potentially young people who have no money to spend either because they're too busy being activists and studying and so on. So again, I felt just lack of direction, lack of motivation, poor planning, no monetization strategy. So I shut down youngactivist.com as well and, and uh, put that one into the graveyard. So the next project after that, this one was actually started on a trip to Canada. I remember very clearly I was uh, in bed. I was, uh, I was already running my proofreading company at the time. So I had my card game website and my better edit business. So we're getting kind of closer to, I was 20, 23, 24, 25. And I woke up or I tried to get to bed one night going, I know what I do. I'm going to start a new, uh, essentially a new Craigslist. <laughs> this, is, this is how silly it sounds like in, in, uh, in retrospect. I thought I'm going to start a new directory based sort of trading community because I get how powerful trading cards is on my magic site. So what I'm going to do is start up a trading based community focused on students which I can then connect to my editing company, which goes after students. So I wasn't completely crazy because I could see a connection. Maybe I could turn the audience I was already attracting with better edit, the student market, into users of this kind of like a Craigslist for students. And I registered a domain name called yaz.com.au, Y-A-Z. Uh, I have no idea why I chose that name other than the fact it was three letters and it had the letter Y and the letter Z, which are two letters you rarely see in domain names. Um, and I built the site. I actually went ahead again and, and built a whole community. I installed some software to run a trading type Craigslist type site. And I was really excited about this project because to me, the fact that Craigslist worked using such an ugly, simple design meant I didn't have to get caught up in the website design. I just needed the users. I understood the power of getting a critical mass of people using a trading community that creates the value and I could build off that. And I figured, well, I already have an audience that's showing up at my editing company. Let's turn some of them into users of this Yaz site. That was my strategy. That was my thinking. So once again, threw in a bunch of time building the entire website, and then I attempted to get people to start listing their products and services. And I, what I did to start with was just kind of use a few strategic places to link my Better Edit business to this Yaz site. Not too many, because I knew Better Edit was a proofreading company, and I didn't want to ruin the, the income source I had coming in there. But I thought maybe you know, link in the footer, maybe a link in the emails that go out, maybe after jobs are done, go to Yaz. Plus I started to market my business using the, the knowledge I knew from running my two successful projects. I started posting in, in forums and directories and you know, making, a, making connections online and trying to drive a bit of traffic using banners and simple things like that. And I got a tiny, tiny bit of traction. I started getting one or two entries into my community, my, uh, my Craigslist directory type site where people were selling things that they had kind of like a garage sale online, basically what you know eBay was doing at the time as well, but not auction based. Mine was just list and sell. So that's about as far as that project went. You see, the problem I had with this one was uh, no matter how many listings I got, I simply didn't have enough people seeing those listings so those products never got purchased so they never came back it's a classic catch-22 critical mass issue 
And I was crazy enough to think that I could somehow grow enough of a critical mass to my directory site to get a regular user base, despite the fact that eBay and Craigslist and uh, there was Gumtree in Australia and the UK and there's Kijiji in Canada and all these other countries kind of already have their established players. And even they were struggling to necessarily be profitable, even though they had millions of users uh, staff and so on. So I kind of got the hint that this is not an area where I'm, I'm going to throw myself into trying to get a bunch of people to start buying and selling on my yaz.com.au site. And I also started to feel at that time too that I, I really should uh, start to focus on my editing company since it was doing well and, and, and get, get some growth there. So those three stories I, I share with you now, mp3.com, sorry, mp3now.com, youngactivist.com and yaz.com.au they're, they're all kind of about simply because I saw an opportunity and because I had the ability to create a website myself, I went and built websites. Now, what I did that was smart with those projects was I acted fast. I built websites and got them out the door and put things in front of people. What I didn't do very well was really think about the future and the strategy behind what I was doing. I didn't see, uh, first of all, the legal issues. I, I ignored them. Second of all, the monetization strategy wasn't always good or third, the actual growth strategy, needing a critical mass, I just wasn't gonna make that work in that industry. So I kind of took all those lessons with me as I moved on to my next projects going forward. So I'd like to share with you a little bit of a longer story now with a project that I really invested a lot of time and a lot of money into that actually ended up being a, a cash drain. I lost money on this. This is my biggest failure, you could say, because not only did, it, did I build a website, I actually built a whole business. So let me put this in perspective. Around about 2003, I was introduced to something called NIS in Australia. It's N-E-I-S, uh, New Enterprise Incentive Scheme. It's a program run by the Australian government designed to uh, give support to entrepreneurs or small business owners when they're getting started so that they have their basic living costs covered. It's kind of like getting unemployment benefits, but as an entrepreneur. So what you do is, uh, well, to give it context, I was sitting in my car one day with my father driving and he tells me he's got this friend of his living on the Gold Coast, which is an area in Queensland, Australia, who is essentially writing a book and getting paid by the government to do so. And I thought something sounds a little dodgy there. So I asked my dad a little bit more. My dad really couldn't explain it. He didn't understand it, but I got a phone number for his friend called him up and spoke to him and he then explained to me he's on NICE, the new enterprise incentive scheme. He's getting paid a couple of hundred dollars a week to write a book, which is part of his business. So I got really excited about this idea. Now I was fresh out of university. Uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I came back from some travels and it was time to get serious about making some money and hopefully, you know, moving out of my, my parents' house and so on. So I looked into it and it seemed pretty good. All you had to do was apply for it. And to apply, you had to first of all, go on to unemployment benefits in Australia. Something I never wanted to do, but I certainly qualified as a graduate from university and I, I didn't have a job. And then once you get accepted onto the NICE program for a, uh, you go into a course, you do a small business course and then submit a business plan and have a panel interview. And then once you're accepted, you get 12 months of ongoing financial support of around $200 a week. So $800 a month, which is pretty big money. Uh, it's meant to be used to pay for your food and your, 
you know, your groceries, maybe your rent while you're getting your business up and running. So I, I applied, I went into unemployment benefits, immediately switched over to the NICE program. And thankfully, because I already graduated with a business management degree from university, they gave me what's called recognition of prior learning. So I didn't have to do the course, the small business course, but I still had to write the business plan and then sit a panel interview. So I decided my editing company, I would take it seriously once I got accepted into this program. And for me, that was a big mindset change. So I switched over and said, you know what, for the next year, I'm on the NICE program, so I'm gonna get some money, it means I'm gonna focus on this business. And that's what happened. I went through the process, wrote a business plan. It's the first and last business plan I've ever written in my life. Uh, I think it was basically useless, but they wanted you to go through the process sat the panel interview, got accepted, started down the 12 months of income support and a bit of mentoring. Now, one of the things I took away from the mentor in the NICE program was the idea of showing consistent growth every quarter to see your business working. Now, I mistakenly mistook that for you need to show us that your business is growing every quarter in revenue or we will kick you off the NICE program, we'll take away the income support. So I actually got a little bit concerned because my editing company was very seasonal. I basically would make good money when it was essay writing time in universities. So around, you know, end of semester, I'd get a bunch of money, but summer was virtually dead. I'd get no sales, almost no sales coming through summertime. So I was concerned as I hit the summertime in Australia, my income would drop to almost nothing and that would eventually cost me my niece program. So I started to plan ahead as, as we headed towards summer, I'm th thinking, what can I do to make an additional income stream to make sure I don't lose the niece money? What I did was I actually saw a poster inside a Korean restaurant area because I was putting up posters to advertise my better edit company. And I kept reading all these other posters. And one of the posters said, make uh, i'm a i'm an english tutor uh, i'm whatever ten dollars an hour fifteen dollars an hour pull the tab phone them up and and make some money or in this case learn learn english so i started thinking maybe i can start teaching english on the side so as i put up my editing business posters i put up some posters saying i'm available for english tutoring and where I lived in Brisbane, Australia, it was a hot spot for a lot of Asian students coming to learn English. Uh, so what I did was two birds with one stone. I printed out a bunch of posters advertising an English one-on-one -on -one tutoring service, as well as my editing company online, put them both up, and I actually got some phone calls from people looking for English tutoring. So I charged $15 an hour, and it was really simple. I had no qualifications as an English tutor whatsoever. Uh, but I felt my level of English would be good enough that just having a conversation with them, they'd be pretty happy with the service. Plus, I would print out some exercises from the internet, which is what I did. So I booked my first student, printed out some exercises from the internet. We'd often meet at a cafe for an hour and I'd sit down with them and help them go through these tutorials and try and have a conversation with them. Um, I, let's just say I've, I've never saw a future for myself as an English teacher, but it was an interesting experience. And uh, really, uh, it was a, a great insight into a business because I started to see this world of English tutoring and how much money the companies were making in Australia running these classes. And that's when my mind went, hello, what's missing here is a tutoring service where they get one-on-one -on -one time or small groups 
because what I noticed from studying all of the businesses running English services, English teaching in Brisbane, was that they catered to large classes. We're talking min minimum 10 people, usually 20 to 30 people per class, no individual attention. They're surrounded by other people from Asia, not anyone from Australia. And what they really wanted to do was learn English from Australians, from locals, to make some local friends as well. So I, I had this brainwave, I'm gonna get serious about this business. Meanwhile, my, my better edit company is still going. I'm still running it, it's 100% online. It's very hands-off though. It was a true laptop lifestyle business. So I had all this time to sort of think about my new English tutoring service. And I went crazy. I actually went as far as getting an office. So I started thinking, you know what I need? I need an official office space. We'll get some classes running. I did a, some basic calculations on a piece of paper. I'll start charging uh, $20 a lesson. I'll try and get uh, groups, maybe you know three people to four people in small groups. I'll hire some other people to teach English and I'll have a full-blown school. At the very least, I'll make some extra money to help me with the NICE program, but who knows, maybe it's my future business. I was just excited about the idea of, of getting serious about another project. So I went ahead and spent a few months searching for office space and eventually settled on uh, a third floor office space. It had four teaching rooms, a reception area, a bathroom, all inside this building in an area called Spring Hill. It's a, it just, just right next to the city of Brisbane. It's about a, a 10 minute walk outside of Brisbane downtown. So I set up the English school and uh, then the job was fill it with students. So first of all, I had a $1,200 a month uh, rent to pay. So here, here is the big mistake to begin with. I, I basically signed myself up for a three-year lease, $1,200 a month. And uh, that, that was basically taking almost all my profits. I was making a bit more than that, but it was taking a big chunk of my editing company profits, pouring them into the rent for my new tutoring business. Uh, I built a website for it. I called it aussietutor.com, built the website, again, just using my own uh, website building skills just talked about what we offer. And then I went and did that job of getting students. So I kept putting up posters. Uh, we started to hand out flyers outside the other English schools in Brisbane to try and bring them across for private tutoring and uh, continue to put up posters as well. Now, the end result of this big investment experience was I absolutely struggled to get anyone in the door. I eventually hired uh, two of my friends who were actual English teachers. They'd spent some time tutoring English in Japan and they'd come back to Brisbane and they were looking for a little bit of extra work. So I said, I've got work for you, but I just don't know how much it will be, but I'll let you know. And I think through the, the almost a full year I had running that business in the office, I may have had maybe five to six students actually come through. I spent a lot of time sitting in a very quiet office by myself on the internet, working on my editing company or just wasting time browsing around, just feeling pretty down on myself because A, I had done the thing I was trying to avoid. I created a job. I was trying to avoid getting a job ever in my life. So instead I built an office where I had to go nine to five to be in the office in case someone showed up who wanted tutoring. So that was a big lesson there. You know, don't, don't get an office if you don't want an office. Um, to end that story, after almost a year, I realized this is nuts. I don't want to do this. So I managed to break my lease early. I paid them a few months in advance, 
broke my lease and closed down the tutoring business and went back to focusing on the editing business that was actually working and really doubled down and, and narrowed in on a more specific niche there and, and grew the income. And the big lesson from that for me was, first of all, don't get an office. That was crazy. Um, don't go and start a, a business where you really don't have any leverage. Like I didn't, I would basically have to hire new teachers to teach any additional students and that paying the teachers would eat up almost all the profits that I'd get from the extra students. Uh, there was high sunk costs in that business. I had to buy desks and tables and computers and I had to get rent and I had to um, do advertising. There was a lot of money going out before any money was coming in, which was crazy. I had no industry experience. I really had nothing to do with the, the tutoring and English service besides knowing how to speak English. And I had real no point of differentiation. So here I was entering a crowded market of English schools, starting what I thought would be a slightly different service with tutoring. But at the end of the day, the students didn't have a lot of money. They were paying for one English school. It's not likely they were going to pay for a second anyway. So they didn't mind paying for one lesson here and there, but enrolling an entire second school, not going to happen. So I learned a lot from that experience and certainly kept me away from ever doing anything with an office again. That was a huge lesson for me. So by this point, I was feeling actually uh, like I, you know, pretty much failed big time in a lot of ways. I had a whole bunch of websites that went nowhere. I had basically spent all my profits of a successful business inside a, a, a company that didn't work for an entire year. So my savings did go up that year and uh, I was feeling lost. You know, I, I, I really the card game website wasn't my interest. I clearly wasn't totally devoted to my proofreading company anymore because I was trying all these other projects. Uh, and actually, at that point, I flew to Canada and, and really started thinking about what I'm going to do with, uh, with, with my business going forward. Uh, and a year later, I actually started my blog. So that started me down the blogging path. And to this point, you can see there was a lot of confusion and doubt and um, lack of direction. Uh, nothing seemed to work very well. And, and often it was because I was very much choosing to start things without really thinking where I was going. And especially with Aussie Tutor, the English teaching school, I threw myself in very deep without really having an awareness of what I was doing. You know, I, I see it as an important lesson because it opened my eyes. But that that's crazy to think I did that. Like that was a very beginner green mistake to do, at least with the three previous websites. They were more like just ideas I could put together. I'd use some time up. I'd lose a bit of money from buying a domain name and, and having some hosting. But I didn't have rent and I didn't have office furniture and you know all those sorts of sunk costs. So that was this was a mistake on a much grander scale with, with Aussie Tutor. I got one more mistake for you before we switch over to you know really what, what the learnings were from these experiences that I took with me to my successful projects onwards. AdSense. So once I started with uh, blogging, and even before blogging, I, I was getting exposed to people who were making a lot of money from Google AdSense. Uh, often from Google AdWords as well. So the, the buying advertising platform or the selling advertising platform. And I got caught up in the idea of easy money. So for several, a uh, lot of times during the night, I'd read up and potentially consider starting a business that I would buy traffic and, and send it to affiliate offers or I'd build niche websites and put AdSense on it and make some money because a lot of people were doing amazing things. I mean, Ed Dale had made great money with AdSense niche content websites. So had Frank Kern. John Reese was talking about his amazing income from AdSense around that time as well. 
there was a bunch of people talking about pay-per-click advertising on Google AdWords, just sending it straight to affiliate offers and making a bunch of easy money. And all these things were exciting to me, but they're only exciting to me because of the money. I didn't really care about the business model. I didn't really care about the subjects. I didn't really care about the process. I just wanted the money. And I, and because of that, I actually started to go down these paths. I started to you know look at setting some things up, taking some courses. But what happened was, thankfully, around the same time, I started to write my blog consistently and, and that started to take off and pulled me away from those other projects. And, and also taught me the fact that to make those things work, I have to spend a lot of time doing things that I wasn't interested in. I'd have to spend a lot of time learning how to get good at a pay-per-click advertising system when I don't really care about learning about that process. Or I'd have to spend a bunch of time writing content about subjects, niche website subjects that I didn't care about. I don't want to talk about goldfish just to try and get a little bit of traffic to sell a goldfish ebook. It just didn't interest me. Now, to be fair, I had some money coming through from my two successful websites. So I didn't feel this, the pressure. I got to make money at, at any reason, at all costs, because I just need cash to survive. I had my survival money from my successful projects. Now, in your case, obviously, you may not have that cash yet. So you're probably feeling that pull of anyone saying, I'm making X thousand dollars here a month or I'm making X thousand dollars there a month because let's face it, you got to make money. So you're, you're, you're motivated to go where the money is. That's understandable, but it's important to also ask yourself, what part of this process am I going to enjoy and be motivated to do? Because you have to complete the process to make it work. And if it's just based on money, that may not be enough to get you over the line. You know, you might need to find something that actually has at least one thing you enjoy doing so you'll keep doing it. All right. So in summary, I pretty much had a bunch of websites I built that I put into the graveyard that pretty much crashed and burned before they even went anywhere because I realized they just weren't going to work. I threw myself deep into a tutoring business because I mistakenly believed I need to show income growth in my existing company and then went to town and made it even bigger than I thought it would ever be getting office space and learned a ton about what it's like to run a physical real world business. And then later on, seeing the opportunity from AdSense and AdWords and other types of get rich quick, easy, make money online type programs, which I actually did start to follow through in, but quickly pulled away from, thankfully, because I had a blog pulling me in a different direction. So those are the, the mistakes I consider, the failures I have over the years. And you probably see yourself in a number of those. You probably have websites that you built that went nowhere. You've probably been lured in by a lot of money-making opportunities online that you've just never gone anywhere with. Uh, maybe even gone as far as building a business in the real world like I did with my tutoring service that actually never became profitable as well. So what happened from that point forward? So all those mistakes for me were in my early 20s. So that was pretty much from 18 years old to 25, 26. All those things happened to me. And from about 25 onwards, things started to get a lot more congruent. I got a lot more focused. I started to really enjoy what I was doing. I started to make a lot more money and things really took off for me. Now that primarily happened because I started to get clarity on uh, what I wanted to do. I started to see myself as a blogger, as a teacher, as a writer. I loved email marketing. I loved writing emails. I loved writing blog posts. I loved creating product. I loved creating content. By then I'd sold off my Magic the Gathering site. I was soon to sell off my proofreading company, my editing company. So I was starting to get towards a direction that was filling all my needs. Good money, 
enjoyable process, a future that I was looking forward to. But all of that was built off those first seven years of experiences online. And even all the content I wrote on my blog, the foundation for what I do today, came about because I had all those experiences and all those failures and successes to actually share stories with in blog posts. If I didn't have those, I wouldn't have a blog. So, you know, I, I have to look back on those times as failures, yes, but key stepping stones for every success I've had since then. So let's switch over to mindset mode now. So what did I learn? And in particular, if you're still in the trenches, if you're currently experiencing the situation like I described from my early days, you, you haven't broke through yet. I'm going to tell you there's probably three areas where one or two of them are breaking down for you, maybe all three, because this is what I found. I found that A, I was doing things because I needed money. B, I was looking for projects that I actually enjoyed doing. And C, I was looking for projects where I was getting some traction, right? So if, I, if, if one of those things were missing, that's often why a project never took off. Either it wasn't making good money, I didn't see a future in it myself, and I just wasn't getting traction. So, you know, if, if those break down, you're probably out. However, if you're seeing positive signs in those things, if you are making money, you're getting some traction, and uh, you actually see a future for yourself in those projects, then you're likely to keep going through it. So for me, the important mindset lesson that I took forward and I teach now today to everyone who goes through my programs is looking at everything you're doing as a process in, in the case of trying to find answers to questions, not simply uh, failures or successes. The problem with the idea of failure is that it's got such a negative connotation that it can actually pull you backwards and, and reinforce negative beliefs about yourself. What you want to do is see failure as simply an experiment, a stepping stone to the success. In order for that to work, you need to be excited by the process of discovering failures that you use on to create awareness, to create moments of clarity about what didn't work so you can then take that into your future and what does work. So for me, very simple lessons from early on. You know, don't do something in a market where you could get into legal trouble. Tick. Don't go after a business where you don't see a, a way to make money from it. You know, don't do that. Don't use a bad business model. Don't go into an industry where you need a critical mass of users when that critical mass is already at another site. You know, don't start another eBay if everyone's over at eBay. Don't start another Craigslist if everyone's at Craigslist. Don't start a Facebook if everyone's at Facebook. I mean, obviously, if you have points of differentiation and you can build on them, that works. But if you're a one-person show and you need to make some cash, you're not going to start by trying to go after Facebook unless, of course, you're getting you know investment funding and following the startup path. For most people, if you're building a laptop lifestyle business, you're going to go after businesses that don't get you into legal trouble, that have a direct path to income very quickly, and you're doing it where there's an actual audience that you could potentially capture. That's key lessons I took into going forward with everything I do and everything I teach. I also think it's important to teach, to um, experience the process of running your business with the mind of, a, of curiosity. If you, and this is an important point, whenever you're thinking about doing something online, rather than seeing it as a failure or success, an A or a B, simply do it with the mind of a curious child or a curious adult in this case. And be excited about finding the answer to the questions you're trying to answer. You know, a good example, you might be thinking, I'm going to do a webinar to sell my first ever course. 
Now, that is something you've never done before, so you're probably gonna have a lot of fear about it. What if, you know, I don't know how to get anyone to show up on the webinar. I don't know what to put in the webinar to get people to buy. I don't know, uh, you know, how to get people from the buying point into getting the product point. There's all these windows where you don't know answers to yet. Now, you can see those as reasons to not do it, to get afraid, to give up, to turn away, or you can see those I'm going to be really, really curious about getting answers to those questions. Now, I'm really curious if I run this Facebook ad campaign, will it get me the kind of traffic I want? Now, you don't do this blind. You educate yourself. You know, you take a course on Facebook ads if you're going to do Facebook ads. You take a course on, you know, building content and creating funnels uh, like I do with my system. If that's what you're going to do, you take a course on that. But once you've got the knowledge, you go into the execution phase purely thinking, I wonder how this is going to work. I'm going to do the best job I can to make this work. And from that point forward, the outcome is like, let's see what happens. Because the best thing about taking action is getting that outcome. And if you're curious about it and not just thinking, oh, I'm going to fail or I'm going to succeed, then you're not, you're giving yourself a, a dynamic situation that you can't help benefit from. Otherwise, you're just feeling failure is failure and then you're getting more negative feelings and that could stop you from taking any action. And I can guarantee you the one biggest cause of permanent failure is not taking action. You know, anyone who spends all their time planning, anyone who spends all their time, you know, kind of trying to find where they fit, trying to get over confidence issues, that to me is the biggest problem that you need to overcome because that's what stops you from actually doing something. And I think curiosity is a beautiful emotion to exchange all those fears for because curiosity just makes you see everything like a fun experiment to see what happens. So let's see what happens when I run a webinar. Even if I have only five people on it, it'll be great because I'm going to learn how to deliver my content. I might get to answer a couple of questions. Hey, I may make no sales whatsoever, but I'm going to be a step closer to a successful profitable webinar because the time after that I'll have 10 people and the time after that I'll have 50 people and by that point I've already had four webinars so I feel more confident so when I do my best performance it's for 50 people so it's it's seeing this as a process with a curious mind and not a negative mind that's looking to point out all the things you don't know all the things you're failing at with an attitude of action that's really important too now, one thing that's not really talked about regarding failures and having a history of things not working is how incredibly happy and appreciative and motivating it is when you do start to get a result. I can tell you it took me a long time to reach the point where I felt I had a stable, consistent, full-time income from my online businesses. And I had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of crazy thoughts, all those failed websites. I had that tutoring service where I lost money in. But after that, once I reached that stable point and I saw that I had actually succeeded at something I'd worked hard at for a long time, that made me hungry for more. That made me motivated. That made me confident in what I was doing. So I really want you to push as, as much as you can to get that first sale and to get that $10,000 a month income stream coming from your online laptop lifestyle business and see each of these failures as stepping stones to that moment when you get a breakthrough and you will really appreciate that breakthrough. It makes you hungrier, it makes you want it more, it makes you appreciate it more. So I think that's a, an important thing to understand about failure. It's fuel for the fire for when you do succeed. The other good thing about just going through the process of doing something, building something online, creating websites, 
is you learn about yourself. You learn about what you want from your business. You learn about what kind of roles you want in your business. You learn about other people, the kind of people who you may be hired to work with, the kind of people you sell to, your potential customers, your partners, the industry you're in, just industries in general and how business works. Great learning experiences there. Plus, and this is probably one of the most important ones today, is you get a basic technical understanding. You don't necessarily have to become the person who builds the websites, but if you can learn the components that go into websites or learn enough to then instruct the technical people to do the work for you, that's a skill you take into your second project and your third project. So you don't have to build those basic skills again. So every failure really, really, I can't emphasize this enough, is such a stepping stone on so many levels from a practical standpoint, from a mindset standpoint, from a motivation standpoint, from a, a knowledge and research standpoint about your industry and about people. All those things come through from your previous projects to make the current project, the one that will eventually be successful, happen because you went through all of that, because you've built a platform of knowledge and experience and skills to stand on and then succeed with your current project. Even if you've been working a job for most of your life, just having gone through that experience and then making the switch over to entrepreneurship, you take all that with you to use in the starting of your business. And then from that point forward, everything you do is building the platform for your first successful online business. And that is the case for me. So everything I've ever done online has gone into what I currently do today. The fact that I can tell these stories to you in this podcast, which that's getting sent out to thousands of people online, some of which then go buy my products because I talk about these experiences on these podcasts. It's all interconnected, it's all interrelated, but it only works because I'm willing to put things out there and share. You have to be a content creator. You have to share if you're gonna do anything online. I think that's a great point to wrap up this podcast episode with. So this has been the failure and mindset edition of the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. I hope you enjoyed some of those stories and maybe feel a little bit better about you know any potential failures you've had in your past. Maybe if you worried you're in a failure right now with your current business, understand that you know you can move on. You can start something else. Don't you don't have to see. Uh, what you do online is a, a one one trick pony. You've got opportunities here to build a business and then another one until you find the right fit for what you're doing. Now, I'm just going to end this episode with one recommendation. If you have never taken my free mindset and productivity email course, it goes into a lot more depth about these mindset subjects, these mindset issues as well as a lot of really important concepts like how I've used the 80-20 rule to grow my business, the theory of constraints, inevitability uh, thinking. There's a lot of issues like that that I talk about, introduce you to inside that course, which also leads you to my, my package. I have a training program you can buy on mindset and productivity. I recommend you start with the free email course if anything I've said to you resonates in this episode of the EJ podcast. To sign up for that free email course, just go to this uh, link I've set up. It'll take you straight to this podcast. It's ejpodcast.com, the number two. So just the number two, ejpodcast.com forward slash two. That will then redirect you to the blog post of this podcast episode where you'll find all the show notes for this episode, the PDF transcript download. You can get the MP3 there if you don't have it. And you'll find an email opt-in box 
for my free mindset e-course where you can sign up. Uh, that one's the most comprehensive free email course I have. It goes for a month long. Uh, it's, it's ongoing training, takes you to some of my best blog posts on mindset and productivity. And frankly, I think that's the most important issue to get right when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur. And I will call it the end of this podcast. So thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. My name is Yara Stark, and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.